Well, we are finishing up a series today called Winning the War in Your Mind. This is based on a book by Pastor Craig Groeschel, which I highly recommend. In fact, we have a few copies uh, at some of the connection centers, and we talked about selling them. I'm not even going to sell it. I'm going to give it to you, but I'm going to give it to you on a condition. If you take one of the 12 copies of this book, that means you're going to read it, okay? If you will commit to read it, it's yours. It is a free gift from us. I think it will be a great resource to you. I know many of you have gotten so much feedback on how much this series has made an impact, how, how timely this is, how man, much we need this, putting this stuff into practice. And so I don't want to stop with the end of this series. I want to continue to resource you to win the war in your mind. So if you will take it and commit to reading it, it's yours. If we run out, we'll get more. Uh, we'll order more. I want to be able to bless our people and see you get victory in this area. How many of you have found opportunities to put some of these teaching into practice over the past few weeks? You've, you've seen some war in your mind. Uh, I know many of us have, perhaps all of us. What we know is that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. The majority of battles we face in life aren't won out here. They're one right here. Uh, the reality is that the life that you live, the life that I live, uh, is often a reflection of the thoughts that we think. You're going to see your thoughts fleshed out in your mind, and that's because what comes into your mind tends to come out in your life, right? We know these things. We've seen these things. We've taught on these things for, for four weeks now. Uh, what comes into your mind tends to come out in your life. And lastly, you cannot have a positive mind, or excuse me, a positive life if you have a negative mind, right? Those two things cannot go hand in hand. If we're going to have a positive life, if we're going to have a life-giving spirit, if we're going to have the victory that God has prepared for us and won for us, we're going to have to start by having a positive mind. And so that's what we're pursuing. That's what we're shooting for. The problem is, if you're like me, negative thoughts can kind of run away with you, right? You can have one maybe rational worry, one rational fear, and it balloons into something completely ridiculous, right? So maybe you've got a big test coming up and you're worried about, hey, I don't feel as prepared for this exam as I should be. And then you start thinking, well, if I don't, make a good grade on the exam, I'm going to not pass the class, and if I don't pass the class, I'm not going to graduate, and if I don't graduate, then I'm going to get a bad job, and if I get a bad job, then I'm not going to be able to marry a person who, who's the caliber of what I believe in, and if I can't marry the right person, then I'm not going to have the right kids, and now my kids are going to be broke, and right, your mind can go from like this one thing to 25 years down the road, everything has fallen apart. It's amazing how well the enemy is at taking something real, hey, I got a big test coming up, I need to be prepared for, and turning it into something completely not real, right? And they can do this in so many different 
aspects of life. We can joke about this, but man, if you watch the news or hear about something that happened to someone you love uh, or you're fighting for your marriage right now, you've got more bills than you know how to pay, you're trying to make some big, de- big decision about your future, you probably have seen this play out in some way where one thought balloons into something far, far worse. It's so easy for your mind to race and be overwhelmed with very real feelings of fear and anxiety. We want to start today's message with the word of God. In fact, I'm going to invite you, if you would, stand with me as we read a few short verses, again, from the book of Philippians. The context here is the Apostle Paul, our ultimate mind warrior, this man whose writings we've been studying when it comes to the war in the mind. He's in prison. Right? He's under house arrest. He's actually going to ultimately be executed. Um, and he's writing some of his last words to the church in Philippi. And yet, despite these dire circumstances, despite the fact that he's literally in chains, Paul's mindset is at a very wonderful place. Not only is his mind at a good place, but it's at such a good place, he's encouraging others. Have you picked up on that? That when your mind's in a good place, you can be a blessing to others? But when your mind's not at a good place, you can kind of become that life-sucking presence rather than a life-giving presence. Well, Paul is a life-giving presence, both to the church at Philippi and, I believe, to us today. So let's receive this from Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 6. It says, do not, everybody say do not. Do not not be anxious about anything. All right, go home. That's enough, right? Let's, plenty to work on. Uh, Man, there's your homework assignment. Do not be anxious about anything. Sometimes the Bible says something and it's like, how is this even possible? But man, this is the goal. This is the target. doesn't mean we're going to hit the target every single time. But this is what God is calling us to, what he's preparing us for, what he's equipping us to walk in. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, I don't know your situation today, but whatever your situation, here's the word of God. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what happens? He says, the peace of God. Everybody say, peace of God. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. It's beyond anything you can comprehend. It's beyond what you understand. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. Remember we talked about, man, these fortresses, these strongholds in our mind where we've been taken captive. Well, now we can actually see the reverse. We can take those thoughts captive, and now we can post a guard. And that guard is the word of God that's keeping these disobedient thoughts, these fears, these anxieties from coming into our mind. Finally, verse 8, he says, Brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, whatever you've learned in this series, whatever God has spoken to you through through these messages, put them into practice. And now watch this. And the God of peace. Earlier he says the peace of God will guard your mind. Now he says the God of peace will be with you. So you can have the peace of God. In other words, you can have the same kind of peace that God has. You think God's sitting on the throne worried today? 
You think God's sitting on the throne biting his nails? I don't know what's going to happen with the economy. I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford my next tank of gas. You think God's fretting and anxious today? Not at all. You can have the peace of God. Why? Because you have the God of peace. You get the peace of God because you have the God of peace. Would you pray with me, church? Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we speak right now over every man, every woman, every young, every old, wherever we may be today. God, in every situation, God, the peace of God, we thank you that you have made it possible for our hearts and our minds to be guarded, to be soaked in peace. And so this morning, God, we ask that you would calm our anxious minds. God, that the peace of God would transcend all understanding, and ultimately, we would experience and know and walk with the God of peace. Because if we have the God of peace, we will experience the peace of God. And we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. You can grab a seat this morning. As you're grabbing a seat, you can tell somebody, peace be with you. If that's a little too formal or a little too awkward for you and you need to Mississippi eyes, you can say, get you some peace, <laughs> right? You make it a little more relevant to you, a little more authentic, get you some peace. Today, we're going to talk about worry, anxiety, and the mind. We're doing part four, calm my anxious mind. The reality is your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. We know that this is good news because of the neural pathways in our brain. If we're renewing our mind, if we're soaking in the peace of God, then that stuff is getting stronger and stronger and easier and easier for us to walk in and to think on. But if we are not, if we're allowing the lies and the chaos and the frustrations of life to soak in our mind, man, those are getting easier and easier. The strongholds are getting deeper and stronger. And so because of that, there's an urgency here to begin winning this battle, to begin going, going to war in the mind. We've been talking through this series about both scripture and science. Because our God is the author of science. He created the world, including your mind. And so as we look to the fields of psychology and understand what's really happening in our brain, we're seeing the way that God designed things to work and understanding what, how this lines up with the word of God. So we're going to talk today about a couple of parts of your brain. The first part of your brain we want to talk about is called the amygdala. We've got a picture if you'll go ahead and throw that up for us. This is the amygdala. It's kind of towards the bottom in your brain. It's shaped like an almond, and it's not especially big. Now, if you're like me, and you grew up in the Adam Sandler generation, you want to pronounce this amygdala like Colonel Sanders, um, but that's not the proper way to say it. Uh, but the amygdala in your brain, this is the fight or flight response. This is the part of your brain that is looking for danger. So when you're in a storm and that lightning strikes close to the house and the hair on the back of your neck strands up, that's the amygdala saying you need to do something to protect yourself right now. Uh, when you're at a trash cleanup as part of serve day with City Church and your son keeps drifting out into the road, Natalie, and you keep yanking him back in to not get run over by a semi, that's the amygdala that is speaking to you saying there's danger a 
alert, alert, alert. The amygdala is a blessing. God gave it to you to protect you, to keep you safe. The problem with the amygdala is it is all hardwired for defense, for protection, not for logic and reason. And so for many of us, our amygdala gets triggered by things that we don't actually need to be frightened about. You know what I'm talking about, right? You, you have something happen and it freaks you out and the reality is there was nothing to actually be afraid of. Right? I remember the first time I did any public speaking, I was in eighth grade. I had been homeschooled first through seventh grade. And in eighth grade, I was in a health class, and we had to do a report on a specific drug, uh, a narcotic, and the effects of that drug. And I think the report was an oral report. It was like 45 seconds. Uh, and I had angel dust. My first time I ever spoke in front of people, I talked about angel dust. Uh, it's a true story. Uh, it's how God started my career in speaking. Uh, and I remember being so horrified. I mean, so scared, so terrified of getting in front of a bunch of eighth graders and talking for 45 seconds about my little research, whatever I had found out. Uh, and, and my face turned bright red. And of course, because my face turned bright red, because I was so afraid, everybody started laughing. And now I actually had something to be afraid of right? But had I been calm, had I had the peace of God guarding my heart and my mind, would have gone through 45 seconds, nobody would have remembered anything, and it would have all been forgotten, right? But that's the power of the amygdala. The amygdala is a blessing when it's kept under control. So God didn't just give you an amygdala. He also gave you what's called the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex in your brain is the logical, reasonable part of your brain. It's the part that calculates out things and says, hey, you don't actually need to be concerned about this. You don't actually need to be worried that if you don't do great on this test, that your kids are going to marry the wrong person in 45 years, right? Like, you don't have to fear that. That's irrational. Things aren't going to end there. Your prefrontal cortex is a blessing to pull the reins back on the amygdala. The prefrontal cortex steps in and says, nope, we're not going to worry about that. We're not going to give that any more fear. We don't have to run from this. We don't have to fight against this. This is just something not worth worrying about. Praise God for the prefrontal cortex. Praise God that he's given us something. By the way, the prefrontal cortex is a lot bigger and a lot stronger than the amygdala. The amygdala is this, this tiny part of the brain that just flashes like this alert, this siren that just goes off, freaks out all the time. But the prefrontal cortex is much larger, processes more deeply, more clearly, and steps in and says, you know what? Calm down. It's going to be okay. So when you experience these things in your mind, when the next time you freak out about something, the next time your anxiety goes through the roof in the morning before you even step into your day, and it's totally uh, unreasonable and irrational, you can empower your prefrontal cortex to step in and say, you know what? We're not going to let our mind run through that. We're not going to worry about all these things today. This is not something worth putting out the alert about. Paul understood not the science of it, but he understood the spirit of it, 
right? They didn't understand 2,000 years ago what was actually happening in the mind. They didn't have brain scans. They couldn't tell us what this part of the brain did versus that part of the brain. But despite that, he had the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit empowered him to understand spiritually how to win the war in the mind. That's why let's read it again, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything, right? We could say to the amygdala, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, we're giving it all to God. By prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to know this morning, church. What's on your mind is on God's heart. What is on your mind is on God's heart. In other words, God cares about your anxieties. He cares about your fears. He cares about your worries. He cares about your temptations. He cares about your doubts. He cares about all these battles that are going on up here. You need to know today what's on your mind is on God's heart. He is for you and not against you. He wants to step in and bring his peace, the peace that transcends understanding into your situations. It's, it's crazy how often even Christians, even godly people, even people that we look up to sometimes can devalue the power of prayer. How many times you've heard a Christian say something like this? Well, there's nothing else we can do. I guess we should pray about it, right? There's, there's nothing else to do. There's nothing we can do. It's out of our control. I guess we should pray. And yes, pray about things that are out of your control, but not because prayer is your last resort, because prayer is your first step. It's the first thing we turn to, right? He says, but we're, we're going to pray about everything with prayer and petition. We're going to make our requests known to God. What are you afraid of? What are you stressed out about? What are you anxious for? Tell him about it. Talk to God about it. He already knows, but there's something that happens when you talk to him about it, when you release it, when you speak it. Give it to God. The author of Hebrews tells us to boldly come before the throne of grace. The author of James says, you have not. Why? Because you ask not. Why don't you have victory over these anxieties? Why don't you have victory over these fears, over these worries? Well, perhaps some of it is because you're not allowing God to step in and guard your heart and your mind. Not only does prayer move the heart of God, but prayer actually also changes the chemistry of your brain. It's something I didn't know until I was exposed to this material, so all credit on this goes to Craig Groeschel. I was somewhat uh, a student of psychology. I was somewhat aware of the different parts of the brain and the, the neural pathways and some of the stuff we've talked about, but this next stuff we're going to talk about, I had no clue about, and I'm so excited to share it with you. This is a new field of science that I was not aware of. It's called neurotheology. Neurotheology, which is the study of the mind and God. It's also called spiritual neuroscience. So what they're doing is they're studying the impact that believing in God actually has on the brain. 
What happens in someone's brain when they worship? What happens in someone's brain when they pray? What happens in someone's brain when they read the Bible? And so there's a lot here uh, that I can't unpack for you this morning, but I want to at least drop one little nugget from this field of neurotheology on you. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who is an expert in this field, she wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. And check out what she said. This is what neuroscience has proven. This is what has been established now. She says, it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over a period of eight weeks can change your brain to such an extent that it can actually be measured on a brain scan. That they can assign someone to pray for 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, for 56 days. And at the end of the eight-week period, that 12 minutes of focused prayer, if they've faithfully walked it out, has actually started to reprogram their brain. The Bible tells you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is happening? Your mind is actually being made new when you interact with God. There's spiritual, there's, excuse me, scientific evidence now. They can actually prove what's happening in here as your mind is being renewed, as it's being transformed. This isn't just some spiritual idea that we hope for, that we believe in faith, which, by the way, we should believe it if it's in the Bible and we don't yet see scientific evidence. Just because science hasn't proven it yet doesn't mean that it won't. But how cool is that? The science has established the chemical impact on your brain. As you establish these new neural pathways, it begins to grow so strong and so quickly that it shows up on a brain scan within 12, or excuse me, eight weeks. Here's my hypothesis as a non-neurotheologist. My guess is as brain scans get more and more powerful, they're going to see evidence of it a lot quicker than eight weeks that your brain begins to transform, that the, 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 the beginning elements start to take place, man, as you set aside three weeks, as you set aside a short period of time to seek God. Now, I am not qualified to make that hypothesis, and you can write that out. I am not a scientist, but I believe in the word of God. I believe in the transformation that takes place in our mind as we interact with him, and science can now establish it and prove it for us. So in the same way that your negative thoughts can harm the brain and transform your brain chemistry, the great news is that prayer actually heals your mind. It actually transforms your mind. That interaction with the presence of God actually chemically does something that science can now prove. So why do we worry? Why do we fear? Why do we panic? There's many reasons. Science gives us the evidence of the amygdala, right? That this thing is triggered so easily. They actually call it an amygdala hijack. When, when something from your past, something you've suffered, experienced, man, this thing has harmed you. So you were in a car accident with a red Honda Accord, and now every time you drive by a red Honda Accord, you freak out a little bit. My, my mom, when she was 16 years old, they were in an accident with a, a tractor trailer. Uh, and to this day, if my mom drives by a tractor trailer on the highway, 
There's there's some panic there. There's some fear there because of something that happened decades ago. What is that? That's the amygdala hijack. It's the remembering, hey, this is what happened to you a long time ago, but in your mind it wasn't so long ago, right? It's fresh. It's real. It's relevant. And so this is what scientifically is happening. What the word of God would say is that our mind is actually dominated by sinful thinking, by fleshly thinking by thinking that doesn't reflect what God has said to us. What is worry? Worry ultimately is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. I know that may seem pretty harsh. Most of us don't really think of worry as sin. But ultimately what sin is, is saying I trust more in my circumstances, more in my expectation, more in my fear than I do in what God has said about me. Jesus said, do not worry about anything, right? And so when we worry, we are living contrary to the word of God. And that doesn't mean that you're a failure as a believer. doesn't mean that, that you need to get saved all over again and you're going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we've got to transform our minds. We've got to renew our minds. We've got to get rid of old, fleshly, sinful thinking and receive the new life-giving thought that God has for us. Ultimately, worry is saying, God, I don't trust you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to let our prefrontal cortex grab our amygdala by the tail and cause it to submit. We're going to say, okay, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe what God has to say about my situation, about my day, about my life, rather than what my fear has to say about it. Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Please don't misunderstand me today. I'm not here to condemn you because you have anxiety. I'm not here to condemn you because you've struggled with depression or fear or worry. These are real human issues and struggles and God loves you in the midst of it, I am here to tell you that God wants to set you free. That is not God's plan for you to deal with that forever. That is not God's design for your life for this to be a lifelong struggle. He is designed for you to have freedom in these areas. Jesus has paid the price for you to have freedom in these areas. And his word is packed with instruction on how we can walk in that freedom. I want you to believe you can receive that freedom. It requires us to begin taking every thought captive. So here's what happens. I brought a couple of boxes. Hopefully you guys can read this. If you can't read this, then you've got plenty to worry about because you're getting old. Uh, but this one says God, and this one says worry. My dad just had surgery this week to remove cataracts on both of his eyes. So that one was for you, pops. Uh, got two boxes. You got worries, and you got a God box. And what happens when we pray, when we take these worries and we give them to God, is we take things out of our worry box and we put it in our God box. Man, we offer these things to God. We cast our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. So God, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm not going to stress about this anymore. I'm giving it to you. Here's the problem most of us have. We give it to God, 
And about five minutes later, nothing's happened. And we grab it out of the God box, and you say, you know what? It had a little more space over here. It felt a little more natural over here. And so we grab our worries, and we put it back in our worry box, and it spends a lot more time in the worry box than it does in the God box. Right? So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to start changing some sizes, because the problem is your worry box is bigger than your God box. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a bigger God box. And we're going to get a smaller worry box. And now we're actually going to be able to take all of our worries and put them in the God box. So I actually want to empower some of you because some of you are dealing with this and you're struggling with this. I've heard from some of you, man, this is, this is so timely. I'm wrestling with this right now. I want to empower you to get a box. In fact, if you want to take this home with you today, these props, you, you're the first one who wants to claim these props can have them. But I want you to get a God box. Don't worry about the worry box. And, and I want you to start cast, actually writing down your anxieties, your fears, your worries when, when you're dealing with them. And as you pray over them, I want you to put them in your God box. God, I'm giving this to you. I'm taking my hands off of it. And the next time you're tempted in your mind to grab a hold of it, I want you to actually walk over to that box and, and to pick that worry up and say, you know what? I'm not taking this. I'm leaving it with you. And just begin to walk that out physically. Now, if you want to use a shoebox or, man, there's a million different ways you could do it. But just that practical exercise is going to empower you. You know what? I'm trusting in God. I'm not trusting in my worries. I'm not trusting in my thoughts. I'm not trusting in my fears. I'm putting my fears in my God box. And God, I'm taking my hands off of it. Whether it's five minutes or five days or five years, I am trusting you for victory in this area because you are good and you are for me. Amen? Amen. So we're going to release these things. I don't know what things you fear. I'll share with you some of mine. My daughter, Alexa, six years old, she has asthma. Uh, and I have a sister who's had very serious asthma her whole life, still has very serious asthma. I'm talking about in and out of the ER, very life-threatening situations multiple times in her childhood, still very debilitating asthma. And so Lexi has started having a number of asthma attacks. In fact, she had two this week. She got sent home from school twice this week by the school nurse uh, because she was, she was wheezing so badly. And so what do I fear? I fear a life for my daughter, like what I've seen from my sister, right? I, I, I go and, and I pick my daughter up at school, and she's weeding. we got to take her, and, and then they actually have to put her on a, a breathing treatment. They strap this thing to her face, and, and I'm watching my six-year-old, this sweet, innocent child. Man, and my mind races. Start wondering how this is going to affect her life and how many different things she's not going to be able to do and how this is going to impact her finances and her relationships and all these things. And this one asthma attack takes me 30 years down the road. My son Judah, seven years old, has been like the perfect child for like the first six and a half years of his life. In the last year, he has not been the perfect child. Uh, and he started getting really serious anxiety issues. This stuff we're talking about right now, my seven-year-old, who's way too young to worry about stuff, who has way too good of a life to worry about things, has started saying some really, really scary things, started dealing with some really big fears. And I've got a lot of mental illness in my family. And my mind starts to think, man, what if he's dealing with this? What if he's going to end up like this? What if he goes through what your uncle went through? What if he's got bipolar? What if, right? And so my mind begins to raise. So I promise you I'm not just preaching to you guys. 
right? I'm promising you, I got an amygdala that gets carried away too. It's been getting carried away extra as we've been doing this series. If you don't want to have things to worry about, never preach to people about winning the war in their mind, okay? Because the enemy is going to say, okay, I see you. Let's see if you can handle this. He's going to bring the battle right to you. And as much as I want to just say, you know what, let's talk about something else that confirms to me this is exactly what we need to be talking about. Because he doesn't want to see God's people set free. And so we're going to preach on it. And we're going to believe for it. And my mind is going to be renewed. And he's going to be transformed. And I'm going to see my prefrontal cortex grab a hold of that. And trust that my kids are going to be okay. My daughter is going to be fine. My son is going to be healed. And we're going to see victory in this house. Here's the philosophy we're going to adopt. I want to give you three very, very simple steps to walk this out as we prepare to close today. Then we're going to do a very quick review of the series and wrap it up. What are we going to do? Number one, I'm going to do what I can do. When it comes to the war in your mind, when it comes to those triggers, those alarms that go off, what are you going to do? I'm going to do what I can do. What does that mean? That means if you need to get counseling, get counseling. It means if you need to be on medication for a season, be on medication. Right? I'm going to do what I can do. I'm not, what, what we're not preaching is just stand in faith and claim it, and you, nothing else, you, you don't have to worry about anything else. Man, I, I believe God has blessed us with counselors. God has blessed us with medication. We live in a, in a generation that has a lot of knowledge, and I think we should be willing to take advantage of that knowledge. So do what you can do. If, if you're wanting victory in your health, right, you change the way that you eat. You start going to the gym. If you're wanting victory uh, in for your, your studies, you study for the exam, right? We're not just standing and claiming, God, I'm going to ace this test, and we go in and hope that somehow we guess all the right answers. No, we're going to do our part, right? God will do what only he can do, but he wants us to do what we can do. So I don't know what your struggle is, what your stronghold is, what your area is, but I want you to do what you can do, number one. Number two, now give to God what you can't do. Right? I'm going to do what I can do, number one. I'm going to give to God what I can't do, number two. So what are those areas that are beyond your control? God, I don't know the questions that are going to be on the test. God, God, I don't know uh, how to, to defeat the enemy in this area. God, I need you to bring victory over this, right? Those things that you can't do that are beyond you, man, open the door. I, I can't control my son's anxiety. I can't control my daughter's asthma. I'm going to get her to the doctor. I'm going to get him help. But there's things that I can't do, and I'm going to trust God to do what he can do when I can't do them, right? Number three, we're going to trust God no matter what. We're going to trust God no matter what. We're not going to trust what we see. Our walk is by faith, not by sight. And so we're going to trust in God no matter what. When things are looking good, when things are coming together, when we're seeing victory, we're going to trust God. When things are looking dark, when it seems like there's nothing but defeat, when it feels like everything's crashing around us, we're going to trust God no matter what. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to give to God what he can do, and I'm going to trust him no matter what. It's very simple. Not the most deep teaching you've ever heard, but very practical steps we can take. Here's what I need you to know. I need you to know it's possible. I need you to know you can win the war in your mind. You can take these thoughts captive. You can defeat these strongholds, but you also need to know it's a choice. Are you going to choose to bring this victory? Are you going to choose to engage this battle or not? It's possible, but it's a choice. 
Let's review our four weeks of study as we put a cherry on this series. If, if your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? I don't. Not always. And so I'm taking up my sword, and I'm going to war. I'm going to battle in my mind. If you don't control what you think, you'll never be able to control what you do. And so what do we say? We said, number one, we're going to identify the strongest stronghold, the greatest stronghold that we're dealing with right now. And then we're going to identify the truth that demolishes that stronghold because God has given us divine power to demolish strongholds. And once we have identified that truth, now we're going to write it down. We're going to confess it. We're going to think it until we believe it, right? We're going to write it. We're going to think it. We're going to confess it until we believe it. We're going to write it. Say it with me. We're going to write it. We're going to think it. We're going to confess it until we believe it. Some of you have already written your confessions. I'm proud of you. Stand on those things. Confess them. Think on them. Meditate on them until you believe them. If you haven't, man, find a truth that demolishes the stronghold and begin to stand on it and believe God for it. Some of my confessions in my life right now, Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love Melody and I will lay down my life for her. My kids will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I will nurture, equip, train, and empower them to do more for his kingdom than they could ever imagine. I love people, and I believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Jesus in me is stronger than the wrong desires and the bad habits that are in me. I'm growing closer to Jesus every day because of Christ. My family is stronger. My mind is clearer. My faith is deeper. My leadership is sharper. I'm creative, innovated, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit lives in me and empowers me. The world will be a better place because I chose to follow Jesus today. These are my confessions. I don't know what yours are. These are mine. This is what I'm claiming and speaking over my life. Declare what's true about you. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Now we're renewing our mind with truth. You are not a hostage to your thoughts. You are not a victim of bad thinking. The weapons that you fight with are not the weapons of the world, but they have divine power, dunamis power, explosive power to demolish strongholds. Worry is not your master. Anxiety is not your Lord. You Trust in God. His peace guards your heart and guards your mind and guards your soul in Christ Jesus. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. I don't know what stronghold you're facing, but there is a truth of God's word that speaks directly to it. You cannot control what happens to you, we discovered last week, but you can control how you frame it. We're going to practice mental framing, even pre-framing. We're going to work on some new filters in the way that we see things. I even had some of you guys text me this week about different situations. And, hey, here's how I'm framing this. Here's how I'm pre-framing this. Man, I love seeing you guys put this stuff into practice. To see, the reality is you can look at anything from one perspective and see discouragement, see frustration, see something to worry about. Or you can look at it from another perspective and see the goodness of God, see the promise of God, see the opportunity for a miracle of God to step in to your situation. It's all about how we frame it. No longer going to interpret God through my circumstances, but I'm going to interpret my circumstances through the goodness of God. 
That's what happens when we frame things correctly. And then we're going to cover everything we do in prayer. We're going to get a bigger God box. And we're going to put our worries here. We're going to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And ultimately, the God of peace will be with you.